honestly, I look at Iowa kind of like I did uh, Kansas State, where, oh, you're cute. This is why I think Michigan is a fake fucking football team this year. Big Red Jones. What I think will happen is it's going to be a four to five point game. I hate Iowa. I hate Texas. Nebraska wins, bitch. <laughs> now watch, Smart Tour is going to burn one for 90. We beat the absolute shit out of you. Oh, shit. <laughs> I talked him into it. Look at that. Baited and switched. Let's go. Oh, man, I hope you are ready for doing a lot of talking on this show because I am sick as a dog and you're going to have to carry the load. You sound okay, though. I do. I'm not quite to that like scratchy throat phase. I'm in the very congested, like heavy chest phase. Yeah. So now that we're, I, I will. Now do, that we've I'll, got my heavy chest out there. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, when I hear that, I want to see it. But whatever. yeah, not not in this case. <laughs> it's a little phlegmy. I I do want to tell a quick story, and I kind of said this to you uh, on one of the Facebook posts earlier today. It's really funny because. Uh, one of my good buddies, I call him Titan Mike, just for, just to piss him off, but he's Casey Mike, um, and he was listening to our last episode, uh, the Ohio State recap one, where you know it got heated and you know yeah, it was a little spicy. It's, it's opinions and whatever. We're, yeah, we're all good. And, and we were both just fired up after that game. Anyway. Absolutely, like we were we were a little upset. And he was telling me how he went to go get his oil changed, and he just one of those quick lube type places. Uh, I don't know exactly where he went. I just uh, who cares? So, it was quick lube. What? <laughs> and so he decided to sit in his vehicle during the uh, oil change, and while the guys were working on his, you know, changing his oil, and so he decided to listen to our episode in the car, and he's listening to it and whatever. Oh, and he he probably has it turned up. Those dudes are hearing every goddamn word. Basically, sure. yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden he hears a voice, and it's the guy in the pit underneath his vehicle. Oh, so Jesus. he can't see this guy at all. He can't like look out the window. That dude's or being loud as shit if he can hear him inside his car. Absolutely. And so he he yells up at my buddy Mike, and he goes, "Are you listening to listening to a podcast?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Are you listening to the Junkies?" Shut up. I'm dead serious. <laughs> and he goes, "Uh, yeah." And he's like. Are those guys like actually friends? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, fucking. Funny. And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Man, those guys really get into it and all that stuff." And it's like, I, so I don't know what this guy's name was, but I, I appreciate you listening. But, but yes, we are friends, and we're still friends 100%. after the Ohio State game. And one hundred percent, we have differing opinions. That's that doesn't that doesn't make anything make for anything no. out of a good show. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh god. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck you, notes from Jed. Fuck you, Oklahoma, for choking a game away against Baylor and making me lose. Well, let me rephrase that. Basically lose my 8-1 to one bet of you winning the national title that I put on at the beginning of the year. But at the very least, I doubled down on uh, Georgia to win the national title. So hopefully I still come up ahead. Fuck you, Texas. I'm also kind of laughing at you. I just want to say fuck you, Texas, because you just lost to Kansas at home. So fuck you, Texas.
Fuck you, Creighton. Not because I'm a Nebraska basketball fan, because I'm a Georgetown basketball fan, but because it's starting to become basketball season and some people actually care about it, I just want to say, fuck you, Creighton. Oh, those were good ones. (laughs) I I was wondering how long it was going to take for us to get a uh, Creighton one in here. Well, since they only care about basketball and, you know, whatever. It's so funny to me. I have certain people on my Facebook that are passionate Husker football fans. Passionate. Yeah. But they will passionately talk shit about Husker basketball. Oh, yeah. It's like there's zero allegiance to the school whatsoever. I like Husker football. Creighton football doesn't exist. But I'm a Creighton fan. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Like, the amount of shit talk and just, like, anger that they throw towards the Nebraska basketball fan. It's fans and team i just don't get it it's one of the reasons why i hate what they call jaskers because the good majority of them are season ticket holders for nebraska football and that's fine you can support whoever you want to support i don't care whatever don't they know that money goes to the fucking basketball team that's kind of my point like jesus christ the basketball team supporting themselves the football program supports every other universe every other sport at nebraska creighton wouldn't know that that's why all their kids pay forty thousand dollars a semester for tuition so when you give a bunch of money to the football program for your season tickets the those donations that you're giving by the way, a lot of that money is going to the team that you shit on constantly, whether it's social media or in public or private or whatever else, that you talk about how much they fucking suck and all this other stuff, which they do. And it's Oh, like, they do. By the way, <laughs> you're you're giving money to that program that you shit on. Yeah. Like I, I just don't understand them, but it's crazy whatever. talk, man. It's crazy talk. Yeah. Go Georgetown. <laughs> I hope they beat Creighton twice this year. Hey, how about we fuck off college basketball for right well, now? I'm not <laughs> You know my there. thoughts on college I, sports outside of college football. Outside of Georgetown, I don't give a shit about college I'm, basketball, I'm with so whatever. Let's get into this Nebraska-Wisconsin game, man. This this game, I love this game every year because it, to me, feels like more of a true rivalry. I feel like Wisconsin is the Nebraska of the Big Ten of what Nebraska was of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I look at Wisconsin. Steady Eddie. Yeah, they we got there sometimes and they haven't yet, but one way or the other, I think I think they're the program that we modeled to be if we're going to try and play Big 10 football. Oh, you just pissed off a lot of Nebraska fans by saying we modeled to be Wisconsin. I'm not disagreeing. Is there with offensive you. line? Hey. Is there run game? Not exactly what we've been At going no for. No point the last am I disagreeing seasons? with you. I'm just saying people get so pissed off that we compare our we want to be any other Big 10 school when in actuality we would should love to be any other Big 10 school. Yeah. Give me the run game and the offensive line of Wisconsin with the passing and the quarterback at fucking Ohio State and the wide receivers. Honestly, with the way Graham Mertz has been playing the last four or five games, I'll take the passing of Wisconsin. Yeah, but man, look at who he's been playing against. Okay, we're three and nine. I get it. Or we're going to be three I and nine. I get it. But there's a far cry difference between us and Northwestern and us and Rutgers. I'm, I'm not, you're right, but he's still playing a lot better than what he has been he absolutely previously. Is. So even as good as he's playing though, he still hasn't gotten his completion percentage above the fi- above the Well, 50s. for the season, that just shows how bad he was oh, early. Oh god, it was bad. It was bad and he still has more interceptions and touchdowns on the year. Cuz I mean, his last 3 games he's at 73% completion yeah. percentage. So, I mean, it's and and realistically in that Wisconsin offense, that's more than serviceable. 
because you don't have to be great in the Wisconsin offense. You just they just move the ball, running the ball. So it doesn't matter what necessarily your quarterback does. It's literally the epitome of don't fuck it up. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Something that I found uh, just a random stat as I was trying to break down what my thoughts were on this game. A stat that I thought was kind of astounding to me because you think of Wisconsin, you think of a team who runs the ball well, moves the offensive line well, and typically stays on schedule. They are really bad on third down. Yeah. They're really bad on third yeah, down. You're like right. like 118th in the country I think it's bad. 33% or something. Yeah, 33.3 repeating. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Um, that's kind of an astounding number to me. And it kind of tells for how bad they were at the beginning of the season because very obviously. They weren't even seeing that many third downs over the last couple of games, scoring as many points as they have. Well, and scoring as many points as they have, that's the other thing. That it, really, this whole, looking at the stats for Wisconsin, it's its the tale of two seasons in one, basically. Because the first half of the season, they the first four games, they averaged 18 points per game. These last four games, they've averaged double that, literally double that, 30, yeah. 36 points per game. Now, granted, some of that's been defensive issues as far as, you know, defensive touchdowns, you know, stuff like that. But still, your scoring is your scoring. Yeah. And it, the way that they have turned their season around is, I mean, I I don't necessarily really want to say remarkable, but hell, they're on a six-game winning streak and they've got a freshman running back that has six games with over 100 yards consecutively for the first time since Anthony Davis did it in 2001 for Wisconsin. I mean, that's pretty freaking good. It's crazy. It's a typical Wisconsin finding a running back out of nowhere. and Yeah, well, it's their <laughs> offensive Jesus. line. It tells you how much an offensive line. It's, True, it's what I've always said about Ezekiel Elliott. Have you seen this league. running back run? We saw Zeke Elliott at Ohio State, and then we saw Zeke Elliott go into running right behind the best offensive line in football at the time. I, I agree with you, the offensive line, but have you seen this Braylon Allen run? I haven't watched too much, too much Holy of him. Holy hell. He looks good, though. Six foot two, 240? Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, and he runs over fools. Well, I think it's interesting too because you go look at you know, let's let's start at the Purdue game. Just looking at the Purdue game for them, they scored thirty points in that game. They only threw for fifty-two total yards in that game. Yeah, that's insane. Was that the game that he only threw like eight times or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at the Iowa game. They scored twenty-seven on the board. They only passed 12 for 25 for 132 yards, no touchdowns. By the way, in that game, they were 0 for 4 on fourth down. I do think it's interesting. He has negative rushing yards on the season, but he has four rushing touchdowns. Yes. You can tell that <laughs> they're not afraid to go under center and do a little QB sneak on the goal line. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, so go back to the third down conversion thing. You, you said you want to start at the Purdue game. Uh, so they scored 30 points. They won by 17. They were one of 11 on third down in that game. That's insane to me. And see, I'm up on I'm up on Rutgers looking at they were they were 50 percent from third down on that yeah. in this game. Yeah, 579 total yards of offense, 274 in the air. Yards per pass was 14.4. Yeah, they were dashing them in the air, and he was 13 for 19. Like mm-hmm. that's a good solid game right there. He did still throw a pick. And then you just see what they did last week against Northwestern, obviously 35-7. to It wasn't insane, but it's a normal beatdown of what you'd expect of this Northwestern team this year. And that was realistically in three quarters because yeah. they shut everything down. They did. 
They did. They knew that they were going to be playing against a team this week that is coming off a bye. Yes. And a bu- and two byes in the last four weeks. Well, and not. I mean, Braylon Allen had kind of tweaked an ankle in that game, so they wanted to shut him down. He he played into the third quarter, and then he was done. Uh, I mean, the game was in hand. Northwestern couldn't do anything. The only score Northwestern had was a scoop and score, defensive score. So like it was kind of like. The fact that it's thirty-five to seven, it might as well have been seventy to seven. Yeah, because it wasn't. It wasn't even that close. Well, and he still threw a pick in this game, and yeah, his his numbers are up nineteen for twenty-five, uh, nine point two yards per attempt. But I mean, it's not an offense that to me scares me whatsoever. Coming off of a good stand against Ohio State. We've put other offenses in their place. We've put other really good running teams in their place. There's been two teams, you know, best running back in the country coming in uh, that we've talked about on this show, and we've shut them both down. It it still scares me just because, oh, I, just because it's Wisconsin. I mean, absolutely. It's what, I, and I understand Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor. He's a generational type of guy, as good as many other Wisconsin for running college. backs have been. I don't, I don't know about in the NFL, he's, but for he's college, playing for sure. pretty freaking well in the NFL. He is, but I'm ta- again yeah. behind a really good offensive line. Okay. But with what this Wisconsin offense has done against Nebraska, I understand that we are playing very well this year, but losing JoJo Doman. The way that hurts. him not playing, um, and just honestly, how much motivation? I know that the team has been standing up in front of a couple of press conferences and talking about how that there is lots of motivation for this team to be able to take home two trophies for these last two games and all that stuff. But you can talk about it all you want to, but whether or not you know the turmoil that they have had over these last two weeks still is is has to affect them. I just. Well, that's- that's for me. I wonder: is it affecting them in a positive way or a negative way? True. And there's going to be mixed. And we will it's only find mixed. out on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be mixed. I'm sure there are going to be players that love those dudes that hate the fact that they're gone. Yeah. And there's going to be dudes that you know. There were a couple guys on the podium this past week that I've been like, well, he very clearly wasn't. He, he's not missing them. He, yeah. he kind of thought they were doing a poor job. It seemed like by the way that they were making their comments. Um. And nothing that they outright said, obviously, but there's body language involved. There's mm-hmm. just reading a person's face when they're talking about the departure of some of their coaches. Um, I thought the press conferences this week were pretty telling on that side of things. I thought Frost looked a lot more uh, relaxed today than he did on Monday. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but, I mean, they weren't able to – I know it drives them nuts when they can't practice the first week or the first half of the first week of the bye week. Yeah. And those so, are just the rules, though. So, I mean, yeah, those, th- them's the rules. Yeah. Um, but I think that was probably a big part of his stress on Monday is he feels behind the eight ball because he hasn't seen his dudes in four days. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What were your thoughts on the press conference today? Actually, I didn't see the press conference today, so I, no? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the press conference today is is not necessarily something that's widely publicized. True. It, that's one that I have to go back later on after places like Hale Varsity post them up on YouTube. It's not necessarily one that it gets talk about talked about much. The one, sure. the one on Thursday when Frost talks. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think there was really much to it. To be honest with you, yeah. today. Um, they didn't really address you know the leaving of a running back. Didn't really address. Any of that stuff other than, yep, well, it happened. We're moving on. Yeah. Well, on to Wisconsin. I mean, well, but the other thing is you can say all the things that you want to. If 
the game on Saturday starts out poorly, then where does the attitude go to? Yeah. So that that's the biggest thing. Like we can we can be rah rah, we can be all together, we can be about the trophy games, and we can be like ending the season on a high note and all those things. But again, the stress of what has been going on the last two weeks, hell, the entire freaking season. Um, once if if they get punched in the mouth in a bad way uh, on Saturday, who knows which way they turn? Knowing that the season is how over other, in two games, how many how many other players enter the transfer portal between the weeks? Well, or uh, just say I'm good. I'm going to be in the NFL draft. Yeah, deuces like Austin Allen and Cam Taylor Britt and stuff like that. And I wouldn't blame them at all. Yeah, it'd be it'd be tough to see him go, but at the same time, business decision. Absolutely, I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying I, I was actually kind anybody of anybody that said JoJo. I saw some fans that were, whoa, what what the hell? JoJo could have waited two weeks. Like, no, two weeks can make the difference between him being ready for the combine and not. Yeah, him being ready for the preseason and not. And his dad being who he is helps. I don't know who the, that is. He's an agent. So oh. <laughs> well, then he knows a little bit about something. <laughs> yeah, he kind of knows uh, to take care of his stuff. So. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I actually did hear a couple people like, well, he played with the injury in the Ohio State game. Why can't he play two more games? It's like, well, First of all, a bowl was tough. still on the line in that game. Yeah, exactly. There was still stuff to play for. Maybe, maybe we pull off that Ohio State upset. Maybe he still plays this week. Maybe. Who knows? That's not for us to judge. Absolutely and I th- That's That's one of those business decision, hands off, shut the fuck up about it. I Like I said, I was actually kind of surprised that I didn't hear from Cam Taylor, Braid, or Austin Allen that – they were going to shut it down. Austin Allen didn't seem like he was going anywhere at all. No, in his in his press conference par- portion on Monday. But I wouldn't I have blamed shocked. him if he did. No, not at all. So I, you know, whatever. It's just the way it is. I know that there's a lot of people that hate it, but I, like you said, it's a business decision, and I can't hate it. So hundred percent. Well, man, did you get? Uh, did you do questions this week? Because I, I definitely did not do questions this I, week. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I got eight questions. Actually, I could have done a, like ten or eleven. I had yeah? a few other ones, but had I, them rolling. I stopped it at eight just because. So, uh, I think I'm going to start with the Braylon Allen, the running back for Wisconsin. He's had six consecutive games of a hundred plus yards. Uh, he's averaging 130 per game in that stretch. I'm just going to go with: Is he going to get to 100 yards? So 99 and a half. Ooh. I, I, I at first kind of wanted to go a little <laughs> higher because, again, he's averaging 130 in this stretch of six games. But because of the way that the defense played against Travion Henderson. I was going to say, when's against, the last time we allowed a 100-yard rusher? That's what I'm saying. So the way we played against uh, Kenneth Walker the third, the two best running backs that we've, we've gone up against so far this season, they both went under 100 yards, one of them significantly under 100 yards. Uh, that's why I just said 100 yards – Will he get over a hundred? Are they still? Are they, first of all, is he an every down back? Is he their well? He kind one of guy? is now because they lost that their one of their other tandem guys, Chaz Malusi, to an ACL injury previous to the their last game of the Northwestern game. So, are they running much jet sweep with the wide receivers? Not necessarily the way that they used to. No. Cool. I'm gonna go over. That's yeah. I'm going over, and and the reason is we're still giving up about 194 yards a game. On the ground, yeah, and if he's getting all those carries, he's probably going to get there. It, it, I'm not going to say he's going to get all of the carries, but he gets the vast majority. It's, it's of just him. math. Well, and if if Chaz Malusi was still in there, 
then it would be split up a little bit more. Yeah. And it would be a little bit more of a question. But he was, hell, Braylon Allen was still getting over 100 yards when Chaz Malusi was still playing. So it's, you know, it's a legitimate question in in and of itself. I really like that you started off the questions with this one because I think this one by itself will set the tone for the game. Absolutely. The whole game. Well, and it goes back to like what I said with, with the way Wisconsin has played against Nebraska. And I I know history, like many, many years, says something, but just under Scott Frost, and again, I know he some of those years he had Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor had 200 yards every fucking time he played against us. Yep. So they run the ball I'm against us. I'm glad he's us. been gone for two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't play Wisconsin last year because yeah. of COVID, but whatever. Uh. We kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, third down conversion percentage for Nebraska. Ooh, for Nebraska. We average 40%. They give up 24%. So I kind of split the difference there, and I made it 34% for Nebraska. I'm going to go under on that. I think that this is going to be a bit of a defensive struggle from a standpoint of we're going to do everything we can to stop their ground game, and Mertz is going to kind of pick a dink and dunk and pick no, us I'm apart. No, I'm talking about Nebraska's offense. No, 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 no. I know. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. They, they, they're going to they're gonna move the ball on offense slow and steady, and I think all of our offense, whatever offensive production we have, is going to come in big chunk plays. I don't think we're going to get into a bunch of third down situations, and if we are, we're behind the behind schedule probably, and it's probably going to be a low conversion rate. So what what did you put it at? 33? Th- 34. 34. I'm going under. Okay. Uh, I'm actually – the thing is – the thing one of the things that I've learned is the fewer opportunities we have, the better the percentage. Because, like, say we have, like, seven of them, or, like, uh, in the Northwestern game, we only had nine third-down conversion attempts – we completed five of them, and that's over 50%. So if there's fewer and we only complete a couple of them, then you know the percentage will still go up. So as much as I'd like to say over, I just, you know, one thing that we didn't really talk about is the way Wisconsin's defense is, and it's atrociously great. Yeah, it's and really good. And they're especially really good over the middle. They're really good everywhere. It's stupid how... Like yards per play, the numbers on those, it, it's just, it's asinine. So, as much as I kind of I agree with you as far as the low opportunities, which means that I probably should go over just because if we get, say, three and we only have nine, well, I guess that would be 33%. So, that would be a, the under the 34. Um, kind of want to go over, but I'm going to go with the under as well. I like it. I like it. Adrian Martinez completion percentage. Uh, Wisconsin gives up completion percentage of 53%. They've been under 50% the last three games on defense. And Nebraska is at 52% the last three games. So I basically put it at that number at 53%. For Adrian Martinez completions? Yes. I'm going to go over. I think that he's going to have to have it over if we're going to have any chance in this he's game had a for bad the rest of what I'm going to say in this show to make sense. <laughs> he, he's had a bad last couple of games. I, I wanted to put that as a higher number because his season is still over 60%. Yeah. But the last few games just hasn't done anything. Well, I think that here's just kind of a side take. I think these next two games are an audition for two things. 
either an audition for him to go play somewhere else next year or an audition for him to maintain Frost's confidence. And I think that I'm guessing that, I don't know, but I'm guessing that he's been doing a lot of one-on-one work with Frost this week. I think that not having Harry Potter in his ear (laughs) might help him. Um, At least I hope that it helps him. And so he's going to play as efficiently as he possibly can. I don't think he's going to be trying to score the home runs near as much, just hit singles and doubles and try and get around the bags. I, I'm i going to reluctantly go over, but I don't think it's by much. Sure. Just because 53, like, that's low. Like you That's down there. You shouldn't be down there. But Nope. That's some Graham Mertz numbers right there. All right, so this one might get a little complicated. But, so right now, Adrian Martinez is leading the team in rushing yards. Yep. By seven yards over Ramir Johnson. He loses that this week. That's the question. Will Ramir overtake Adrian Martinez for Will the rushing Will there finally league? be a different face on the team rushing yes. <laughs> slot? Yes. So basically, will Ramir Johnson rush for eight or more yards than Adrian Martinez? I think so, yeah. I think we're also going to see a couple other guys get mixed back in a marquee step that we haven't seen since what week three really? Well, last week he was in, but yeah, he was in, ago. but not for much. I was just, I'm just saying he was in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're going to see some more of that. I. It's frustrating to see an athlete like Savion Morrison leave. I don't get it, unless he just wasn't getting the playbook and the writing was on the wall. I I don't know if it was a playbook or just playing time or. Uh, other guys in front of him. Why the fuck couldn't he get on the field is what I want to know. I, 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 You're a four-star athlete coming in. Why can't you get your shit together enough to get on the field? Well, Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. Whether it's grades, whether it's an off-the-field conflict that you've got going on with coaches. Whatever it might be. It's just as much on the players as it is on the coaches to absolutely. make sure that those players are getting on the field. Because, I mean, you could say the same thing about Xavier Betts. Why hasn't he been on the field more yeah. And what he is. I mean, the athlete that he was, or is, not that he yeah. was, but... Hopefully not a was. I hope he doesn't hit no, the transfer portal I, as well. No, I didn't mean yet. I meant it was coming out of high school. Uh, I'm going to go with the no, because I think I, I think Adrian's going to run better than Ramir will, um, just because our offensive line is atrocious, and uh, Wisconsin is really fucking good at rushing defense. They they It's basically two yards a carry um, on defense for them. And so I'm going to go with the no. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, who will lead the team in receiving yards? By the way, um, <laughs> I just saw this. I, w- I had this backwards. They are only giving up 60 yards on the ground a game. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's stupid. Whoa. I had that backwards. It's it's really dumb. Damn. <laughs> Anyway, what was your question? I'm sorry. I got completely sidetracked there. Who will lead the team in receiving yards? I'm going to put up Manning, Betts, Allen, and Toure, or somebody else. Toure. I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was the coaches. I don't know what it was, but they finally started calling plays for him again in the Ohio State game, and he had the yards. Yeah. It was there. Uh, I can't trust Toure to do it two games in a row. That's fair. Not necessarily anything on him. It's just the way it's been going. can't trust anybody on this team to do anything two games in a row. Hey, have I said that before? Other than the coaches, <laughs> the, the half the coaches that won't be there for yeah. two games in a row. 
Uh, I'm going to go, I kind of want to lean Manning, but I'm going to go with Betts just to see what happens. And maybe they're just being like, you know what? Let's just fuck it and sling this bitch. Sure. So I'm going to go with Betts, see what happens. Uh, Wisconsin tackles for loss. I've got the number at seven and a half. What are they averaging? They average 7.4. Nebraska gives up 5.9. Wisconsin has had 38 tackles for loss in the last four games. Damn. That's a lot. It's a lot. How confident are we in Adrian's ankle? Yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's the big question to me. That's that's truly is the big question to me because if he's going to be pretty stationary back there, and he looked really good the first half of the first quarter against Ohio State, and then it got stepped on and tweaked a little bit, and then boom, he was right back to getting sacked constantly, and and that pressure really affecting him. Um, God damn it! I think it also depends on how many running backs we use. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to probably say over just because our offensive line fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over because our offensive line sucks. Not because of Adrian, not because of Ramir, not <laughs> nope. because of any other running yeah, back. That's the thing. It's like, okay, common denominator, <laughs> offensive line sucks. Let's, yeah, let's be smart about this one. Uh, these, these are not hopeful picks by me today. Sorry, these, are just, but... these are just regular old, if I was actually gambling on this shit, this is what I would pick. Yeah. There's no more rah-rah Ohio State bullshit coming out of BJ's <laughs> mouth today. Uh, I'm going with the old reliable uh, Nebraska punt return yards. Oh, Jesus. So I, I'm putting this number at 2.5 because basically I'm asking the question, are we going to get to 30 total re- return yards on the season? We're at 27 yes. right now. Yes. So you're going with the over on 2.5. I'm going, on the, I'm going the over on 2.5. By the way, uh, Wisconsin gives up 2.7 per return on the season. Nice. (laughs) Hell yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm going with the under on 2.5. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Season says take the under. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Except for the two times that I've taken the under and it's gone over. Yeah. Uh, Last one. Graham Mertz completion percentage. 66%. I know that that's very high. But like I said. I'm going under. He's, he's going to be closer to 50 in this game. He's 65% in the last three games. Ah, oh, God damn it. That also goes against what I said because I think he is going to – they're just going to dink and dunk. They're going to be thrown out to the flat a lot for five to seven yards, and I think that's going to be the only way they're going to truly move the ball on us. Okay, so I need to correct something. Earlier in the show I talked about uh, what Graham Mertz has done in the last three games. I said 73%. I gave the wrong number. It's 65% in the last three games. Nebraska has given up in the last three games 73% yeah. completion percentage. we got to so, remember there was, an, what, an 85% in there or 90% from fucking Minnesota? Not in the last three games. <laughs> Or that is the third game. That is the third I, you're game. Right, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. What was he? Wasn't he like twenty-one for twenty-four in that game or some shit yeah, like it that? Was stupid. <laughs> um, I'm I uh, reluctantly I'm going to. You said the number was at sixty-six. I put it at sixty-six. I'm going to go under. I think he's going to be somewhere close to that. I think sixty-five is a good number there. Uh, but yeah, I'm going under. So, yeah, we did have an 84% in there in the last three games, but the other two were 75.6 and 66.7. So they've all yeah. been above 66%. Um, You're going under. 
<sighs> I know he's. We're fully healthy in the passing game too right now, aren't we? Yes. On defense. Well, except for JoJo Dolan, yeah, who's except for him being out. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Williams has been practicing this week, so yeah, that doesn't mean he's playing. They just said he's been practicing. Sure. Who the hell knows? Um, as well as Mertz has been playing so f- at the second half of the season. I'm still going to go under, but I kind of agree with you just slightly. I think it's going to be close to that number. Yeah. And that's all I got for questions. Well, I mean, dude, all in all, with the, these are all really good questions. I, I don't understand for the life of me why the fuck this number came out at uh, – we were getting 10. We are getting 10. The highest that it's been up to is 11.5 points. Yeah. 11.5 fucking points. We only have one game, Ohio State – where we were not a single score loss. I don't understand where 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 they think Wisconsin's offense is coming from juggernaut wise to change that over what Ohio State I, was. I don't think it's just their offense. It's it's also their defense. Do you think that they're factoring in the loss of coaches and things like that a lot? Because that, here's the thing though. Those coaches weren't announced when this came out at ten and a half. Well, it was announced Monday after the Ohio State. Game. I know, but these lines drop on Sunday. The lines drop on Sunday. I thought it was they, a week open, before the game, though. They open on Sunday. The week before the game. Yeah, the, the coaches' stuff was Monday, two weeks ago. Oh, that's right. Okay, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you're right. But the, so yeah, but, I think they definitely are factoring that in. But the other thing about Wisconsin's defense that you factor in it is, uh, and this was a tweet from a Wisconsin beat writer, <coughs> uh, Jeff Patrikas. The last touchdown surrendered by surrendered by the Badgers defense came with eight minutes and twenty one seconds left in the third quarter versus Iowa. That by the way, that was two and a half games ago. I get that. Uh, no, no touchdowns since twenty seven full possessions in game time of two hours twenty three minutes and twenty seconds. That ends on the first drive of this game for us. Okay. It. I. I truly think that's the case. I think this is going to be a close game. It's going to be a one score game. If we can pull our heads out of our asses and pull one off, that'd be fucking awesome. Um, I definitely am taking Nebraska in this one. The money's all taking Nebraska in this one. They are begging, baiting, begging, begging, begging people to take Wisconsin on this. I would. It's dropped all the way down to eight. I would. From the high of 11 and a half. I would take Wisconsin at the beginning line. At the 11 and a half? Yes. Woo! You're crazy, man. That's fine, but I'm just, you know... Well, if okay, you take Wisconsin at the beginning line at eleven and a half. Okay, so what do you say about the over under forty three? Oh, I think if it's an eleven and a half, then I gotta take the over. Okay, I'm fuck. Okay, fair enough, man. Well, I don't have anything else on that. I think uh, I think this is gonna be a pretty fun game for us to watch, and I'm glad that it's a mid afternoon game. Let's chat a bit about uh, the last couple of weeks and what we think we might or might not like to see moving forward with these uh, offensive coordinator positions that are opened up. I'm good. You're good? I mean, it's basically going to start with the offensive coordinator and then they're going to move their way down from there. Sure. Uh, at least that's the way it sounds. Especially in case he's going to try and bring any of his own guys in. Well, it, that's kind of the curiosity thing. I thought this at the very beginning uh, when he got hired here and he brought his entire staff from Central Florida. My biggest fear was uh, as a young coach who's only been a head coach for two years at that time, um, his coaching tree had not 
really developed. Blossomed. And my fear was that when a coach leaves, whether by choice or by force, then what? You know, because we saw this with Bo Pelini where he basically just hired his buddies and he hired a golf coach to be the wide receivers coach and, you know, things like that. And then when Mike Dawson left for the NFL and he had to hire a defensive line guy, that was kind of the first test as far as who he was going to find. Was it just going to be a yes man? Was it just going to be one of his buddies? Now, and again, that's not necessarily a uh, insult because that's what coaches do. They yeah. they hire their buddies. They hire people that they know. I know a guy who knows a guy, and that's where exactly. I got him. Again, I'm not insulting it. I'm just saying, who does he really know? Like, how deep does his pool go? Sure. And the fact that he was able to bring in a guy like Tony Tuioti to coach defensive line, a guy that he didn't know, it was literally a guy, I know a guy who knows a guy. It was, I believe it was through Chenander who knew a guy who knew Tuioti. And the fact that Frost was open enough to bring in a guy that wasn't necessarily in his inner circle was was very promising to me that if anybody else were to leave, now granted he ended up doing that when Troy Walters got fired and he brought in Matt Lubick, that was one of his guys. <clears throat> so it was somebody that he trusted, maybe because it was on the offensive side of the ball and that's what Frost cares about, and maybe that's why he did it on the defensive side of the ball because Chenander knew a guy who knew a guy. Who sure, he kind of put his faith in him. and Exactly. You're going to ride this or you're going to die with it. Absolutely. So... It, it's kind of curious to see how the direction that this is going to go. Um, I will completely be honest and say I still have my doubts that uh, Frost will actually take his hands off of the offense, but that's just because of who Frost is. I get that, but I feel like that almost had to be kind of like I talked about it back at the beginning, like what are we going to do with this? I think that almost had to be one of his things, you know, hey, if you're going to stay, you're fucking done. Stop fucking around. But Don't tell us one thing and do another. But if he's a lame duck coach where basically it's this year or you're done, then... I don't believe that. I don't believe he, it's this year he's done. It obviously, it depends on the metrics that they met because that's one of the conditions in the restructured contract is there are certain metrics that he has to meet this next year. Not, sure, but not, nobody specified what those are. Well, they didn't specify what they were. They they know what they are. I mean, Trev and Scott know what they yeah. are, and the coaching staff, I'm guessing, knows what they are. Yeah. But I'm just saying there are there are apparently metrics that have to be met, and when your ass is on the line, you're going to be very protective as to what, the direction of what happens. I totally get that. So that's that. What I'm saying is, and hell, he used the phrase a couple of games ago, uh, criticizing Adrian Martinez as far as not getting a first down. When it comes to nut cutting time, you're gonna want to just basically do things yourself. I and, get that. And if things go south next year, he, and again, this isn't a criticism. He might end up reverting back to just saying, "I'm gonna take this over because it's sure. my ass on the line." I think that they would have to go way, 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 way deeper south than where we even currently are for him to be gone next year. Um, I don't know what the metrics are that they've set in place. I don't really care. Nobody does. Um, I don't see him getting fired next year unless the team visibly quits on him. It, it you know the the team's done listening. That's that's a totally different thing. You know, 
people with super deep pockets that are really close to the decision makers in the program, they said he's got three years. This is a three-year program. So that's why I'm not as concerned about that as you are. Um, but that's just, you know, that's who knows. I who still, the fuck knows? I still think it, if you're going to restructure the way that they're restructuring, I think it should be at least two years. But I think it's bad for recruiting if you're not at least giving him two years. It's bad for recruiting with the players. It's bad for, hell, recruiting coaches, coaches to come yeah. in here. That's both players and coaches. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be other. really tough one way or the other. It's going to be really tough. So, I, I, I agree. I'm just saying when it comes to, like, again, what Frost said, when it comes to nut cutting time and your ass is on the line, you're going to just want to do things yourself and figure it out. I get that. Do you have anybody in mind that you've looked at as far as offensive coordinators, people I, that are potentially an option out there, somebody you'd like to target? Uh, I've got a list of, a, looks like, about 10 guys or so Damn. that would be nice. Hit me with them. Um, I, I will leave the main guys that I want for the end. Uh, the other ones are kind of just names that, whether they're looking going to be looking for a job, guys like Graham Harrell at USC, Sure. Uh, he's obviously going to be looking for a job because that whole staff is going to get blown up whenever they bring in their new coach. Absolutely. Um, he at least will have ties at, in Texas uh, for possible recruiting situations. Um, Where we're not strong right now. Clearly he, clearly he runs a completely different offense than what Scott Frost does, um, and that goes against one of the things that Scott Frost said in that little press conference that he did on Wednesday or Thursday after everybody got fired Yeah. Um, where he said – we don't want to do wholesale changes, but you know we're looking for different options and different uh, mindsets as far as what our offense can do. So that could play a factor in that with a guy like Graham Harrell. Well, see, um, I think that's very – it's an interesting thing for him to say when you think about the wholesale changes, in quotes, that have taken place just in the last four years in his offense. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between what we're running now and what we were running year one. There's a lot more running. There's a lot more body up front than what he was expecting to have to use in the Big Ten. I don't. I don't. the The players are different. I don't know that the offensive style is different, though. Uh, it It feels very different, especially in the run game, to me. But that's just me. Yeah. Who's your guys? Uh, my well, some other guys that could possibly be on the list would be a guy like Jeff Grimes. He's in. He's at Baylor right now. I don't know that why he would leave Baylor right now. The way that what they're, they're doing, they're killing it. Yeah, um, they're I, on the rise again. I think like it they might kind of depend on what Dave Aranda ends up doing. It sounds like Dave Aranda wants to stay at Baylor, but who the hell knows? Um, do you really? Do you really think that? Uh, Sarkeesian might get cut after one year no, in Texas. No. Well, if they do, that'd be insane. Be st- they'd be stupid. But they also fired guys really quickly anyway. Charlie Charlie Strong got fired after like two and a half years. So it Well he also It's Texas. They do that what the fuck program they want. was also fucking terrible. Exactly. It's Texas. They do what they want. Um Ryan Grubb is at Fresno State. He's been there for a long time. Uh he he's currently the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. He also has offensive line coaching in his past. So that's a guy that could, you know, not necessarily that he would do both here, but at least he would have a mindset as an offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach to be able to also know the intricacies of being an offensive line coach as well. Sure. Uh, Brian Lindgren is at Oregon State. I know that a lot of people will say not another coach from Oregon State, considering what the Mike Riley stuff was. Yeah, not but, a fan. But he, it, 
he's a West Coast guy. He he has Oregon State right now as the top offense in the Pac-12. He has them as top three scoring offense in the Pac-12. So they're doing really good things up at Oregon State, no matter how anybody wants to think about Oregon State. Uh, Mike Riley was too. Well, he wasn't. He didn't have his <laughs> offense that good, but. Uh, <coughs> There's a guy, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Warren Rogerio. He's at Wake Forest. He's the offensive coordinator at Wake Forest. He's really the, the problem there also is that he's really good friends with Dave Clawson, who's the head coach at Wake Forest, who, side note, I'd love to have him at Nebraska if something were to happen, but uh, we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But he's, he's averaging over 40, per, 40 points per game this year at Wake fucking Forest. That's awesome. So, you know, he's – and everywhere he's been – He's had a great offense. He was at Bowling Green a handful of years ago. He's been at Wake Forest since 2014, but at Bowling Green they were averaging like 36 points a game when they were rolling uh, under Dino Babers and stuff like that. So he would be a good option as far as offensive-wise. G.J. Kinney, who is a former quarterback at Tulsa, uh, he is currently the offensive coordinator at Central Florida uh, under Gus Malzahn. He uh, was also... Gus Malzahn was also his offensive coordinator when G.J. Kenny was playing at Tulsa. Okay. So knowing the Gus Malzahn type of offense sure. that was very successful, no matter what anybody thinks of what Gus Malzahn did at Auburn, a very successful offense in a tough, tough SEC. He kept them decently relevant for exactly. a decade. Exactly. So he, he knows that type of an offense. That would be something that would be kind of interesting let alone the Central Florida connection. Not that Scott Frost knows him from Central Florida or anything, but still, just the fact that we'd bring in another coach from Central Florida. Yeah, I don't know if I like that idea (laughs) all that much, (laughs) to be completely honest. Yeah, no. Um, So who's your top guys then? So the top guys, obviously, you know, again... These are wishing wells. I get it. The the inner circle, well, I don't know necessarily about wishing wells. There's one guy that's on my wishing well, and I'll save him for the very end. Uh, speaking of the inner circle for Scott Frost, bringing somebody in that might, I don't know if he'd have a different uh, mindset or whatever else, but he would at least know Scott Frost's offense. He would also know Scott Frost. Mark Helfrich, he's not doing anything. He's just a TV guy right now. Sure. Uh, so that would be a little... Where was ro- he before? Well, he was the Oregon head coach when Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator. Duh. Duh. So... Well, let's let's reverse roles here. Exactly. But Helfrich spent some time. He was the offensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears. They fucking suck. I get that. But yeah. NFL and college are two completely different animals, so that's whatever. Um, Tom Herman. Tom Herman was the former head coach at Texas, former offensive coordinator at Ohio State, uh, he, former offensive coordinator at Iowa State, so he knows you know the landscape of the area, the Big Ten. Where's he now? Uh, he is the uh, offensive analyst with the Chicago Bears. Oh, boy. So, uh, but just, you know, he probably would have, maybe they wouldn't be good connections, but he would probably have a couple of connections still down in Texas from when he was the head coach for a couple of years. Sure. Um, but he clearly... At least knows the area. Yeah. So he's he's a guy that at least isn't an offensive coordinator, like isn't really a coach anywhere. Yes, he's an offensive analyst, but he's not really doing much of anything. Um, so that, and also I kind of like the Alabama style where you bring in former head coaches to be your assistant coaches. My thing is, I don't know if we have the cachet, especially Frost has the cachet to pull that off. I don't know if he has the, um, I guess self-awareness to be able to bring in somebody who used to run a show Mm -hmm. to then 
be under him, helping him run the show. He he needs that self awareness, though. I know he needs it. Yes. I just don't know if he has it. I, I don't know if he has that ability. I don't disagree with you. I went kind of a different direction when it comes. I still to, got one guy. Oh, though. my bad. My bad. My, my, bad, my bro. number. My no. You're good. My number one guy though is Kurt Soraka. He is currently the offensive analyst for West Virginia. Uh, he spent last year. Uh, his only year as the offensive coordinator at Penn State. I understand that they did not play well, but they had a lot of other issues as well. They were well. really bad on yes, offense they were, last year. They had a lot of issues last year, whether it was injuries or COVID stuff or whatever else. But previous to that, he basically was with P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan and then followed him at uh, Minnesota and was the offensive coordinator there when Minnesota was building that offense into a really great offense in 2019 uh, with all the guys that they had, their running game that they have. Kurt Soraka is is a guy that know, knows the Big Ten very well, not just because he coached the Big Ten in, for three years under Min, at Minnesota and for one year at Penn State, but being the coach for a handful of years at Western Michigan, he knows the Big Ten area very well. I think he would be a great, great addition as the offensive coordinator at Nebraska. Awesome. I like that one. Um, it, that one doesn't seem like as big of a reach for me yeah. as some of them that you mentioned. I kind of went a different direction. I went for grabbing that next young up and comer, but a dude who's proved himself in a situation. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go kind of. Uh, I had one guy in mind that I specifically would really like to look at if we're going to hire somebody for a quarterbacks coach. Um, and that's the quality control guy at Ohio State, Keenan Bailey. I saw. I looked at him, dude. He's I, I did. he's got a nice. I just background. didn't know that he if he was ready. That was my, that that's, was the only reason young, I didn't put him on the list. But he was hired by Urban Meyer at Ohio yes. State. He was taken off of Chip Kelly's staff at Notre Dame. Um, he's got a good background in recruiting, and I mean, obviously, he's he's working with quarterbacks right now at Ohio State. He's doing an all right job doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, putting a true freshman out there to to beat us up last week, two weeks ago. Um, I don't think he's ready for an offensive coordinator job yet. That's kind of why I didn't put him on the list. But a dude on that staff who is, yep. in my opinion, Brian Hartline. I don't know that he'll leave Ohio State, though. I don't. At least for in-conference. That's fair. I, I, so I looked at him as well, and I don't know that he'll leave in-conference. But is he going to get the opportunity to move up to the big boy chair OC job at Ohio State? That's my thing, because he's obviously really good at developing Big Ten-style wide receivers that can translate and go right into the NFL. We're going to see that in the draft this year where two of them are already projected first-round guys. Oh, yeah. It's like Alabama's class last year. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's still super young. Um, I just – I think he'd be, a, he'd be an awesome up-and-comer type dude to get there. He's got the NFL experience. I mean, he knows the Big Ten, obviously. Heart, Heartline is almost what Scott Frost was 10 years ago because Scott Frost was the wide receivers coach for a long time. Sure. And then he moved his way up to the offensive coordinator spot, and then he moved into a head coaching spot. And But, but like, everybody knew, not just Nebraska fans, but in the, just in the coaching world, Scott Frost was on this fast track to become a head coach. Heartline is, with what he's been doing with the wide receivers, whether or not they're getting all the best wide receivers and recruiting or not, I don't care. The fact that he's developing them the way that he's developing Absolutely. 
he is absolutely on the fast track as well to become a head coach probably in the next maybe six years. Maybe you use a one or two years OC job at Nebraska to put your put your stamp on something. Maybe. I, it, like I said, these are shots in the dark, but I went a little bit different direction. Um, another guy that I kind of liked, I don't know if he'd be ready for a – um, a big boy OC job, but Mike Hart, the running backs coach at Michigan. Oh yeah, he knows Michigan, or he knows the Big Ten well. He was he's this is his first year at Michigan, but it's the first year under Harbaugh that their running game has been worth a shit. Yeah, um, he was the Indiana running backs coach for the last three years prior to that, and they had a good running game. Yep, prior to him leaving with Steve Smith. <laughs> yeah, um, and before that he was at Syracuse and Western Michigan. So I mean, he knows the area. He knows especially the the northeastern part of the recruiting grounds for Big Ten. Well, not just that he played at Michigan, so yeah. he knows the game of the Big Ten. Not just recruiting wise, but he knows the game of the Big Ten. Yeah, big time. Um, and I he's a dude. Like I said, I don't know if he's ready for an OC job, but yeah, I also don't know his stylistic fit with what Frost wants to do. Yep, but I thought he'd be a good one to have. Uh, my last guy, kind of a another dude like what we talked about with Brian Hartline, um, Cortez Hankton, wide receivers coach at Georgia. Oh yeah, um, same same type of deal. He's been at Georgia since eighteen. Part of that he was at Vanderbilt, um, and then before that it, he started out his coaching career at Dartmouth. Um, but he, I mean, he played four four seasons in the NFL. I mean, he's got he's got. Several dudes that he sent to the NFL that he's developed mm-hmm. that were not there were three and four star guys that were not superstar. Obviously, the two guys he's got coming out this year, yes, they're they're superstar recruits. But I thought he'd be a good spot too. I, I think one of the biggest, you know, and I nothing against any of those guys. I think one of my biggest things that that I went through on my list was uh, not that this is an absolute requirement, but typically you see the offensive coordinator also be the quarterbacks coach. Sure. And so I know a couple of my guys that I have on my list, they had been offensive line coaches but are now currently quarterbacks coach. So it doesn't mean that any of the guys like Hartline or Hart or whatever else couldn't transfer into quarterbacks coach. But for me, I think it's not absolutely See, but important. Think, but I think it Frost is, being quarterback coach as dual head coach makes a lot of sense. But I don't know that he's going to be. That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't. I just don't know how this is all going to Check out, pan yeah. out. As far as like, is Frost just going to be the head coach and the CEO? Which again, by the way, I've been calling for since day one that he needs to yep. be more of a C- CEO. But I don't know if he's going to be just more of a CEO or if he's going to take over one of those position coaches. Uh, on a side note, just to be able to create the position of possibly a special teams coordinator, which. That is a whole nother conversation with the quotes that he had in that press conference. That was, I, like I said, <laughs> but that's been no, hashed that's out in the I, media a thousand I'm times. I'm just saying. I get it. That was some of the dumbest shit I've, ever, yeah. I've heard him utter or anyone utter at a podium ever. On, honestly, if, if I think Frost, our special team, I think he's been doing a nice job with our special teams. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I think if Frost is going to do anything on the side other than a head coach, I think it should be special teams coordinator. I think that's that what makes he, sense. I think that's what he should be doing. He played some but, special teams in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. It's not I mean, like we didn't have good special teams back in the day. We, and God forbid I give this guy any credit because everybody know, everybody that knows me knows how much I can't sta- couldn't stand the guy then and I can barely stand him now, but I don't really think about him anymore, is when Bo Pelini took, finally took over 
the special teams at Nebraska, it got exponentially better. Way better. I remember that very so, clearly. I mean, it could happen as far as having the head coach be a CEO and be kind of more hands-off on the whole team as or the offense and the defense as a whole, but then also put all of his hands on the special teams. And that could definitely work, and that's what I would almost like to see more than anything else. That's a wrap. Be sure to like our page and join the Big Red Junkies Nation group on Facebook. You can now find us on all the major podcast networks, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon. Thanks for listening, and go Big Red! <laughs>